0: Hi, I'm Meredith.
1: And I'm Kristen. We'd like to welcome you to the Writer's Story. It is pouring with
0: rain today, which we really, really need, but I do find it hard to not, you know, take a nap.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've been out planting, making an effort anyway, to, to put some native species in the ground where we have gobs of invasives. And I can hear the invasives laughing at me, (laughs) laughing at me for the folly of my assumption I might be able to overcome them. But anyway, yeah, so that's actually been good for planting, but I think I may join you in the nap inclination pretty soon because I am wiped out. (sighs) But this is also great weather. I love this kind of weather for writing, for writing and reading. I just feel I can hunker down and cozy up and live in my world of imagination. And I love, so I, I love a rainy day for things like that. But yeah, I hear you on the sleepy, sleepy side, <laughs>
0: the sleepy side, but I can't, um, I can't be too hard on myself because I have had a couple pretty good months of writing and I am getting close to finishing my first draft on my thriller, which is Great. super exciting It's going to come in around 60,000 words, which is way too short for a thriller, but I already have lots of ideas. Um, My middle is way too short, so I already have plans to crack that open, shove lots Mm -hmm. more exciting moments in there. Um, And I'm using um, a book as I look ahead to my rewrites um, called Save the Cat, writes a novel, and I know that there was a save the cat write the screenplay
1: and this author
0: used that to create something for novels which i've rarely seen plot wise you know the beats and uh structure for a novel and i think it's very very effective and it's definitely brought up a lot of ideas in my head i'm not totally sure i buy Every single thing, which I think, how you should always operate when you get a new, (laughs) a new craft book. But I, I'm finding it um, really great for focusing and also raising the stakes.
1: Oh, good, good. Yeah, I am familiar with the Save the Cat for film, for screenwriters. And we've talked before about how um, for both of us, you have so much more experience in screenwriting and filmmaking than I, but how how helpful the tools of that craft can be for telling a story on the page as well. But you also write, um, so you talked about this novel draft. Congratulations on finishing the first draft. Not quite, almost there. (laughs) I know it's gonna happen I think (laughs) yeah and it sounds like I mean that's huge that you um, that you can keep sort of charging ahead so I have every confidence that you will reach a traditional word limit um, without a whole lot more effort because I know you've got the good story the bones of the story are there
0: yeah I always write short and that's part of my like race to the finish because I'm always anxious to not wait you know not hang out too long and say oh what does this house look like or what exactly car kind of car does she drive unless it comes to me I'm just gonna forge ahead and in yeah. those details later so I do write kind of short um and that way I'm really more anxious that the plot works
1: yeah, and you're finding that this book is helping you think through
0: that. Yeah, yeah I have a lot of, um, I haven't written a thriller, no, I've written a thriller a couple of years ago, but I haven't successfully completed a draft of a thriller in a while, and I think it's sort of um, making sure I have all the elements. It's got to be very tightly crafted, and, and there has to be surprises. and um,
1: So, the genre itself has, I'm not familiar with the genre thriller um, very well. So, it has certain beats or certain things that have to happen.
0: Right. I mean, I think you just have to have the pace continue to pick up. I think it has to always be a little bit of a wild ride. Like, there always has to be some suspense and always has to be a sort of, you know, I mean, you could take little breaks, but not very long breaks. And then you really just have to pick it up and pick it up, and the stakes have to keep ratcheting. Yeah. In order for um, it to be successful, so um, anyway, that's that's what I'm working on, and I understand you are starting another project.
1: I am. I am. Yeah, I still have um, what I hope will be more polishing kind of work on the most recent novel effort, um, and in the meantime was playing around with uh, some nonfiction that I wanted to be sure reflected some of the things that I am feeling ever more urgent that reco- I, I want to put my attention toward ever more urgently having to do with climate change and environmental issues and anyway I'd been I've, I've been thinking about how we often talk about the things that are wrong that we need to correct when it comes to climate change and environmental issues. but we don't often talk what about what things could look like, the positive kind of like if ever if we got our act together and got things straightened out, what world would what would that world look like? And that's what is the question driving this next project. And it is really fun. It's given me um, a, a sort of emotional and psychological boost in thinking about those issues rather than wallowing in despair at the state of things um, thinking about how how the world might be so it turns out to be more of a kind of fantastical or science fiction and I'm looking at it as speculative fiction set like a couple hundred years in the future Mm -hmm. if we turned our ship around right now what might that world look like and um, and then I'm still working out, so I'm working out what that world looks like, so it's world building, but then also uh, really trying to get a feel for my main character. She's starting to take better and better shape, um, but and I'm I'm still not entirely clear what her driving desire is, what some of the greatest obstacles she'll face are, but, um, it's been, Hmm. it's been good. 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 Yeah. Well, um,
0: Uh I'm excited today because we have a guest, um, uh, Ellen Crosby, who I've known really for years and years. Um, she's really active in the mystery community. She's active with the festival of the book, which is where I just got to see her. Um, and she came up to your attention because of her wine country mystery series and your involvement in a winery. So, um, yeah, so she's the author of the Virginia wine country mystery series and, um, her books have been nominated for the Mary Higgins Clark award, the library of Virginia people's choice award. Um, and one of her books, The Riesling Retribution, won the 2009 Gourmand World Cookbook Award, for best U.S. wine literature book. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's written on, uh, mysteries uh, with an international photojournalist, Sophie Medina, who sounds like a lot like she was. <laughs> Moscow Nights, a standalone mystery. And she worked as a freelance reporter for The Post, and um, and was the Moscow correspondent for ABC Radio News, as well as an economist for the U.S. Senate. Um. So she's had this really interesting life coming to fiction a little later, and her newest book, *Bitter Roots*, is out April fifth. So we're just talking to her right, right before her book comes out. So it'll be really fun to hear about her writing journey.
1: Yes, I'm so looking forward to hearing. Um... Ellen's story because as you mentioned she has so much life experience that she's um, bringing to bear on this work or otherwise informs her her perspectives so yeah uh, let's let's give her a ring awesome hi Ellen hello
0: how are you good it's good to see you although I did just see you um, last well, this past weekend I'm saying last weekend like it's been a whole right. week but I think that's in Charlottesville
1: a... yeah, yeah in Charlottesville in 2019
0: yeah and it was fun to see your panel on Friday night and oh, yeah. um and I hope you had a good festival
2: I I did it was it was unusual to not have the you know, people sort of mingling between events, and I it felt like every event was kind of unto itself. And I think that was that was different. But I really, you know, I think um, you know, a lot of kudos to the organizers of the festival, Jane Kulo and everybody, for trying to make such a big thing happen in person and take so many safety precautions. I thought that was terrific. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that festival book is amazing. But this is so much fun. This is the first time I get to meet you, Ellen. And I know. No, we what a it. pleasure. And, you know, you crossed my screen because, or you came into my world because I have a, another little gig on the side working at a winery. And yeah. yes, and the events manager there was so excited to talk about this book club she's launching. And she said, oh, and we've got this local author that we're going to, um, whose book we're going to read and talk about, it's set in wineries, Ellen Crosby. And I thought, oh my gosh, I quickly grabbed my notebook and jotted down your name. And then I called Meredith and said, hey. And Meredith said, yes, Ellen's awesome. So, I said, anyway, and I said, oh, hey. I've
0: known you for years. When did I actually yeah. meet you, Ellen? <laughs> when
2: you were still living in New York. Oh, yeah. Were wow. you, you know, before you, I think before your first book came out even. You Were you were like a movie author? It was a long time that was like 15 ago. years ago. <laughs> yeah, so that's how long we've been. because I said to you, um, how's your son? And you said he's going to college, and I was like, was a little boy Yeah. <laughs> yesterday, yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's been a while, it's yeah. been a while. And yeah. then you were to Charlottesville. Yep. yep, yep, it was a long time ago. You were in Williamsburg, yep, that's
0: right, that's right. Oh, gosh, I know it's just. It's so fun to see people um, again and again. I think it's such a great thing about the festival. It is. It's it such a great community. People. I think
2: that's one of the things I love about the about especially about the mystery writing community is that we always joke that we're you know that we may know how to kill people and do horrible things, but we are the nicest people ever. Yeah. <laughs> we get so it all funny. out on the
0: page, is what we always say, right? We
2: we get it all out on the page, and then that's right. Perfectly right. But it's people. it's just such a warm embracing community in such a big tent and everybody helps everybody and that's one of the things that I think is maybe I don't know about maybe science fiction or romance but but I, it seems to me that's unique about mystery authors yeah. we're just we're just and
1: how world. did you find your way into that Ellen
2: well um it was a long time ago so we lived oh my husband is a um, was foreign correspondent we lived overseas for many years and we finally moved back to America in the last time in 1998, we lived in London, and um, I heard about this conference called Boutricon, and, and it was in. It ended up being located in Washington in nine, right after 9/11, actually. So it was a very sparsely attended conference. But I went there and I met a lot of people, and I heard about an organization called Sisters in Crime, and I heard about an organization called Mystery Writers of America, and I sort of got networked, which was something that I had not been able to do overseas, and that to me for anybody who's an aspiring writer getting networked and meeting people in your genre and you know your your people is a really really big thing and that that just that was just life changing and so then i started going to metals domestic and the edgars and um i started going to different festivals and getting invited to things and that was huge i think the the connective you know being connected in the community for any writer is really really important
1: That's great how did
0: you um, make that transition from journalism to fiction what was what was that like for you or um, had you been writing
2: fiction no forever? no 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 I I have a master's in international relations from Johns Hopkins from the school of dance International studies and um, so I was working as a journalist overseas um, I was the ABC um, correspondent um, radio correspondent in Moscow when my husband was there that was I I sort of fell into that job because he was located there. But we've been in Switzerland and I did some freelance work as a journalist. And I really liked writing. I liked print, but when, after we left Moscow, it was the, the waning days of the Soviet Union, and of course, that's a big story right now, but um, it was the Gorbachev era, when there was so much hope for that country, when everybody thought it was going to be like, you know, there was going to be all this freedom and these possibilities, and it was going to be open, and it was going to be a great thing, and so there was the, sort of the, Gorbachev's sort of star was setting, and Yeltsin star was rising, and the, the country was going to split from being the Soviet Union to all these different republics, including Ukraine, um, and, um so, I wanted to write about it, and I thought, well, I'll just write nonfiction, you know, as a journalist. So i I wanted to write about art my family's time there because it was there were a lot of interesting things I felt. so I, I sent out these proposals, and I heard from an agent in New York who wrote me back and said, "Honey, make it up. You'll have better luck with it. Write fiction." And so, by that time, we were moving to London. And um, I took some really terrific creative writing courses in London. I mean, it's such a great place to do that. And um, and then I spent a week at at uh, Crofton in, in, in Scotland, near outside of Inverness, and with writing tutors. And, and then I took a course um, with Robert McKee, who wrote a book called Story Structure. He taught in London, and it was a course on filmmaking. And I learned a lot about, you know, how to, um, the way films are put together, it's all about scenes and, and, and advancing a story. And that was just incredibly helpful. So I turned our experience in Moscow into a novel. And then a friend of of my personal friend who um, we've been in Moscow together, her husband had been with Associated Press. She said, you know, one of the moms at the school my kids go to, the British school my kids go to is a literary agent, shall I show her your book? And I said, well, that'd be great. So um, Moscow Nights, which was my first book uh, was published in England. And um, I was, you know, it was wonderful. And then my British literary agent said to me, well, what are we going to do next? And I had been back to the United States on home leave. We had a summer holiday back home, um, where a friend took us around to see the Virginia vineyards because my husband, Andre is French. We had lived in, we had lived, um, just outside Geneva in, in France and we had traveled to a lot of vineyards and, you know, you know, done the whole wine experience and everything. So, um, our friend thought we should see the Virginia vineyards and under being French thought you don't put Virginia and vineyard in the same sentence, you know, together. So, um, so I got back to London and I was telling my agent about this and she said, Oh, that sounds like a really great idea for a book. And I said, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I want to write a book with a foreign setting. I thought I'd write a standalone, like I had done with Moscow nights. And I said, I want to write a book with a foreign setting in mind, a lot of the veins from, you know, the years that we've lived overseas. And she said to me, well, Ellen, you live in England and Virginia is a foreign city, and I think you should write this book. And I thought, well, you can't argue with that, can you? So I said, I will write one. And then we moved home, and um, I had to find, I didn't know anything about wine. I mean, I, I've got this woman who owns a vineyard, what am I going to do? And, and being a journalist, I thought, well, I'm going to have to find out. So I found a vineyard in Middleburg, which wasn't too far from my home that I could get out to and drive back home and get in time for my kids to get off the school bus so I could meet my children uh, who are now married. I'm now a grandmother so This is a while ago um, and, um, and it went from there. And then the next thing I got an American agent who said, well, of course it's a series. And when you get to that level, you say, well, of course it is. So mm-hmm. it went from there and I've written 12. That is amazing. I think so too, (laughs) (laughs) I'm still stunned and we were talking at the book festival the other day and somebody said something about my first book and I said, well, you know, it did come out in 2005, which is, you know, not yesterday. So it's, it's, it's been going on for, I I wrote six and then I said, I need a break. So I wrote two books in a different series and then I came back and I've written now the one that's coming out next week in America or 10 days, I guess, in America is the 12th. So I'm ready to take a break again. (laughs) <laughs> because, every six, uh, every six, you get a break. You no, know, just it's kind of
1: yep, ready <laughs> sabbatical sabbatical <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, do you find that you are bringing some of the foreign, the experience in other countries and your foreign correspondence work into these as well, or not so much? Is it really localized, and you're here, and you're focusing on the Virginia? Yeah, I think every time I read a book if
2: I read it very closely, I can tell you what was going on in my personal life because there's a little bit of, you know, sort of like something from the news or a song that was popular. There's just some little thing that happened in my life. And so I think, I think you just weave in life into your books. I, I, you know, it just, it just, you spend a year of your life writing this book and I, I think it all kind of, is sort of this osmosis that it comes into what you're, you know, what you end up writing. And so but I'm—I I'm don't know about each, but I always carry around a notebook. I'm writing down everything, you know, some some comments, some something somebody says, or oh, that's got to go in my book, or whatever. And I have all these notebooks and thing, you know, sort of it's it's what they call it, gathering string. And so I have this huge ball of string and just pull out different things, and they just make their way into my book. And every time I'm done, I always say to my husband, I don't know what I'm going to write next. And I always say, but you always figure it out, you know. And for whatever reason, as I get to the end something just goes, well, that'd be sort of interesting to write it out. And then the other thing I find, and Catherine Neville, who wrote The Age, you know, she wrote these wonderful books. The a was her big, big, big book, um, said, you know, it's the weirdest thing, but she said, I'll be thinking about something, and then this book will fall off a shelf, and it will open to the perfect page that I needed. Or somebody will come into my life who knows exactly what I needed to know about. And that happens to me too. It's just, you know, it's like serendipity. It's, you know, you're sort of, you open your life to something and it just all comes, you know, like right now I'm writing a story about the murder of an associate justice at the Supreme Court. And what do you think I'm listening to? You know, (laughs) the hearings, Oh, you know. Um, So it just, it just, I think the more you open yourself up to what's going on in the world, everything kind of
1: just, it just, it just, into your lap I don't it's just it is uncanny how kind of everywhere you turn your eye falls on or your ear picks up the thing that may be related to whatever it is that you may be it could also be though
0: that you're focused on that and so all these things are always coming at you but now you're sort of picking up exactly what
2: you need for your book yeah, it's like a little Catherine, Catherine, said one time. She said, "When you're a when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail." <laughs> yeah. And I, it does. It does. Yeah. Everything looks like a nail. Yeah, so you just find all these disparate things, and you know, just like articles in the newspaper, or or somebody makes some comment, or you hear something on the radio, or I don't know. You know, you're reading something in a novel, and it just it just all helps kind of grow your you know your your what you're writing. I
0: think. Yeah so um you- how much how much have you had to learn about
2: wine for your books i mean have you so very much oh <laughs> my gosh um i you know i like i all i know about wine was i like to drink it to this day I'm, andre still orders the wine you know went in the back of the day when we went to restaurants um but I, you know, I needed somebody that I could call, you know, somebody I could call on and say, teach me. So in the early years, one Ada Swedenberg, who owned a small vineyard in in a side of Middleburg, which is where I showed up and said, hi, you know, I'd like to write a book about a murder in a vineyard. Could you help me? And she said, absolutely. And she loved murder. She wrote, she brought me in and she taught me a lot. Uh, and she said, I'm teaching you way more than you need to know. And I said, that's okay. It doesn't need to show up in my, in what I write, but I need to know it so that I write with that kind of knowledge. I mean, I don't think you need to, you know, spill out every, well, she obviously went to a vineyard, but you, you need to have, you need to know more than you write about. So, um, I I spent some time with her and then, and then she, she passed away. She was in her eighties, um, and she died, um, suddenly, I mean, her husband had passed away, um. The previous year and she just followed in. um so then there a, a, a younger winemaker showed up at a signing I was doing at her vineyard with her son and I said I'm just so lost and he said I'll help you and so Rick Tagg who's the winemaker now now at Della Plain Cellars I've kind of followed him through a couple of vineyards but he's just my go-to person and so is another woman who's in, I saw in Charlottesville this weekend Lucy Morton who's a one of the probably the top Vineyard advisor to vineyards in America. She's she's heading off to Napa this summer. She's going to Portugal, I and mean, she, she's she's quite an international celebrity in that world. And she's she's been helping me. So I, if I don't know what to do, I know who to call. And so I'll call Rick and say, "What are they going to be doing in in January in a vineyard? Like, you know, is not it, it all done?" And and he, "No, no, no, it's not." And so so it's been to me, it's been sort of like being a journalist. You know, you learn about the story, and so I. I really enjoy the fact that I know the right people to call and they, I'll start out with a plot and they'll say, you can't do this, you should do that. What about this? What about that? And to me, the research is probably one of the most enjoyable aspects of writing all my books. Um, I really, really love doing that and getting, making sure I get something right. And I think that's the journalist in it. Well, and it's wine. I mean, and it (laughs) is wine. I always say (laughs) every book event, Aren't you guys? Aren't you guys glad I didn't write about a dairy because we'd be having ice cream? But at all <laughs> my book events, people say we should have wine, and it's like well, good. So my book events are great fun. You know? I bet.
1: I bet yeah, they are. Now, do you? You mentioned when you're like working out plot. Do you plot it all out before you start to write? Do you? Do, I'm a plotter.
2: You? I'm not a pantser. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely a plotter because, first of all, I'm 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 slow. I you know I. I I'm just a slow writer. So, you know, you have a deadline. It's due in a year. And I'm very, it's very unsexy, but I have the sort of math that I do, which is, okay, where should I be on any given, not quite day, but, you know, sort of like at this, at this period of, you know, the books due. my book is due in September. So where should I be? And I write multiple drafts. So I know, I use a um, a word processing um, program called Scrivener. Have you Mm -hmm. heard of it? Yeah, I love it. Do you? Yeah, And I love it because you it, there's a there's a, a, a you can f- figure out you can put I want to be at this many words by this date, and it tells you there's a counter that says okay, then you need to write this many words a day. So if you exceed the word count, which doesn't always happen, um, then you know the next day you have fewer words to write. But if you miss it, the next day you know you know where you're at. So. It, I'm, it, it gives me a lot of comfort. So for example, I built into um, the current draft I'm working on. I knew my family was coming home and I knew I wouldn't write for the five days they were there. I knew I was gonna be the book festival. So you kind of know, and then it's like, well, maybe I'll, you know, let's take some few, a few days for random stuff, you know, you're sick or whatever. Um, so I build all that in. So I'm very kind of methodological about how I do it, but this is a, you know, I have a job, I have a contract. Um, people are relying on me to turn things in on time. And you know, it's not just waiting for you know the fairy dust to come down every morning and saying, "Well, maybe I'll write today." It <laughs> won't. So you know, I sit down and, and, and get the and get the work. You know, do the work.
0: That's. Um, I mean, I remember Donna telling me that that she sort mm-hmm. of figures out if she writes seventeen 1, yeah. hundred words a day or
2: something that she'll have well, the her other thing, thing is I think in scenes now because of that course that I took in in London and one of the things, you know it analyzed a movie which is nothing but scenes and. One of the things that Robert McKee said in this is that if the scene doesn't advance the story, get rid of it. And I had been working on Moscow Nights, um, my first book when that was when when I went to this course and in, in back in the 90s. And so I came home and I took Moscow Nights and I broke it down into scenes and I put every scene on a note card and I laid it down on the carpet in my office. My cat came and sat on, of course, as they do. But I, you know, I finally, I, so I, I looked at it and a lot of my scenes were connecting scenes to make to make the book make sense and i thought well you know i i'm sort of spinning my wheels in these scenes so i pulled out all the note cards and shoved everything together and the plot picked up just like that and and then you know that's where i realized that you know that readers want to start the book in media res they don't need to know that you got up and you, and you brushed your teeth and you put your clothes on and you got in the car and they want to know that you're in the middle of this chase because they're going to figure out that you got up you got dressed you put your clothes <laughs> on and, you your teeth. and so that you don't have to account for every single step along the way and you can the next day can be the next chapter can be two days later and you can do that because readers, it's like the, the pictures that you had, you know, the, the coloring book for your kids where there's half a picture. And it's like, can you fill in the rest? And of course your eye fills in the rest because you know what's there. So that was, that was, I think, a really good lesson.
0: Yeah, studying movies and screenwriting is a wonderful-
2: um, It is, it's uh, terrific. Think, especially for, for novelists.
0: Because I think sometimes that's, that's often people starting out, that's their weakest thing is plots. Mm-hmm. You know they can write wonderful descriptions or snappy dialogue, but they get really lost. They start start a story, and then around page sixty, they abandon ship because they have no idea where it's going. You know, The it's ship just
1: never left the dock.
0: There's just a bunch people all sitting in rooms chatting.
2: You know, <laughs> nothing. Can you, can you get um, writer unboxed? Do you get that daily email? No oh, you should sign up for Writer Unboxed. And it's, it's a lot, it's every day somebody, there's a group of of people like Don Mass is one of them, David Corbett's one of them, and they, every day you get a newsletter. And Mm -hmm. so every so often there's a guy, Ray, and I forget his last name, who writes Pro, And um, he had one the other day. And what he does is he takes the introduction of something that's um, number one on the New York Times bestselling list or number two or whatever, but I mean, way up there. And it's like a really popular book. And he just, he he posts an excerpt and what he says is, um, and I mean, I haven't really, you know, it's always like, I never knew that that was this book, but you know, it's been on the bestseller list. And so he says, would you would you turn the page after reading this excerpt? And he starts at the, you know, chapter one, you know, first line, not in the middle. And um, so he did one the other day and he was like, I wouldn't turn the page. He did the prologue and I forget what book it is. I'm not going to say anyway, but um, I remembered, but, and then he did the first chapter and he talks about why he would or wouldn't turn the page and what do you think? And then there's a lot of comments, but the particular one that he said, I wouldn't turn the page is it was just dense prose. And he said, "Yeah, I have dialogue. And I looked at my my draft now, and I went back and scribbled, and in the notes part, I wrote more dialogue. (laughs) And he's right because you know it's just it's just this you know this this door stopping you know wad of 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 prose, and you think it's just brilliant, but it's not. It doesn't move the story. So you know when I read that, but it's it's a it's a great um, resource. And like David writes about character, and this guy writes about. Writes about um, you know his thing is flog a pro, and then there's stuff about you know uh, publicity. I mean, just different people write different things, and it's a it's it's not just mystery for mystery authors, but it's really it's a really rich website um, you know daily newsletter
1: for mm-hmm. um, writers. That's great. And how do you develop character? That. That. that um,
2: that was all, when I wanted to write Moscow Nights, I had setting, and I didn't really have much else, and so I always felt my strong suit in Moscow Nights was my setting, and my characters were, um, and the plot even was, you know, it was like those were my, my weak, the weak legs of my stool, but increasingly, um, I, you know, as I read other authors, I mean, I, I really want my characters to be real People who have lives and flaws, and you know, and imperfections, and goals, and and um, and so I write a lot about them. That's never going to make it into the books. But I was, I think, I read a book. I mean, I have a whole collection of books on my bookshelf on writing, and I've you know picked up some on character over the years. And if you, if you, if you sort of do a biography of your character. it becomes, that person becomes a richer person. So even things like, well, did they do well in school? Were they great in math? I mean, you start writing on all these little things that are never gonna make it into the book, but they sooner or later, they inform that person and how they're, gonna, how they're gonna be, you know? Were they bullied? Were they, you know, were they really pretty? Were they, you know, were they on the crew team? Were they, you know, whatever they did and those, Um, Were they close to their mother? Were they close to their father? Do they hate their sister? I mean, those things end up giving you the richness, I think, of a fully developed character. And so creating those kind of biographies and knowing things about the character that will never make it onto the page give you a richer, fuller character, I think.
0: Do you do that before you start the novel or do you do that somewhere in the middle, because I sometimes find that I don't get to know my characters until I'm sort of in the middle of the rough draft.
2: Well, don't you find that gives you writer's block though? Because to me, when you have writer's block, you don't know where you're going. So either you don't know what the room looks like, you don't know what the person is like, you don't know, you know, so I try never to write with, I like I have notebooks and I just you know I carry them around and I I mean I here's I've got like two right here for my current book you know that I've got a smaller one and a bigger one and I just and I'm all and there's there are those notebooks where you can take pages in and you know the circle ones the that you can so I can always rearrange everything and everything's in order and um, I I write stuff I, I just just I just keep, I'm always making notes you know I'm always trying to figure out what it is. And I have, like I have a section now it's called, you know, what I don't know. And there's another section called like stuff I have to fix. I mean, it's, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very worried <angry>, <laughs> about this, but, and it, but it helps. And it, and so I have the list of what I don't know. It's like, who do I need to talk to? What is it? I don't, what is it? I can't, what is it? I don't know. And if I don't know enough about the character um, I have to go back until I do because otherwise I'm just stuck and it reads very flat but i will allow myself to write about a flat character because then you know what you don't know
0: yeah i think
2: that's generally i i tend to start to figure out a plot start
0: to figure out the characters and then start writing it and Mm -hmm. then somewhere in the middle i start to figure out who they are much more and then i often go and do a bio because mm-hmm. now I feel like I've spent time with them. I think of it as sort of going to a cocktail party and you're talking to people. And it, if I have to tell, if I had to give a bio of someone that I met at the very beginning of the party, I'd be like, they Lost. like white wine yeah, yeah. and they're wearing white shoes. And then, but at by the end I can be like, oh, and they're married to so-and-so and they have this job and they, and, and you know.
1: Do you but, write multiple
0: drafts either of you? Definitely. And my, and my, and I came from a filmmaking screenwriting background, which is why I praise it to the staff. I, I, um, I write very short first drafts. Yeah, me too. Because I don't waste time trying to figure out, like, what does this house look like? I I just have to keep going and I have to get that thing and I have to figure out the whole thing. Because then usually what happens is I don't have enough in the middle and I have to crack it open and and figure out what really has to go in there. But I end up with a pretty good ending and usually I'm pretty good at the beginning. The middle's soggy? The middle's soggy, but of course the middle's completely broken because I had I was moving these wooden people around and now right, they're like right. people that actually And I'm like, oh wait, that's not what they sound like at all.
2: So a lot of drafts. And I, I don't know how to get away from them. I mean I I, remember... I don't think you should. I mean I think the, I think a book is better for having multiple drafts. I mean that's just me though. I mean there are people who will go back and just nip in and fix this this that and the other thing but i but i one of the things i like about scrivener is you can split your screen so i'll put chapter one over here and then i'll just call it 1a and the next draft is this will be 1b and i will start typing but the you know it will change ever so subtly but enough that you know that i have sort of a different draft and then it just goes in the direction it's going in and i i feel you know my books are stronger for doing that yeah so you know, yeah, I, I I like doing I like doing it that way.
0: Yeah, no, I think everyone has their technique, and I think I do. I recommend Scrivener all the time because mm-hmm. I'm a real visual thinker, and it takes the place of putting all those stupid note cards everywhere and then having a cat mess them up. I because then I know you can I have one of those science fair
2: folders. <laughs> I have a science fair folder with the three, you know, different when my kids are in school. But I agree. And the other thing that Scrivener's got is the the place where you can put research, and so you find some weird random thing and you just put it there and you, you label it and then you like, what was that? And you can find it. And I, I really, you know, I mean, I really, really like that about Scribdner. The ability is to sort of keep it all in one giant folder and however obscure or arcane or whatever, you something you found is you can just go back and find it. And yeah. I think that's, and I, I, I tend like.
0: to look down and sort of be like, okay, so is that scene in the right place? and then you Mm -hmm. can pull things around yeah 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 exactly but you're right i think we're too precious
2: sometimes with our draft and you can say name it something else yeah well i don't know if you on on um, friday night kelly garrett was talking about her um and she's a screenwriter too um worked in hollywood and she said well i called first draft um the vomit draft i was like whoa i call mine draft zero yeah but it's just to get it all out and to me it's just you get it you know you just want to get it out there, and then I find I hit a, I hit a, you know, a, like a, a wall, and it's like, I am so far away from where I thought this was going, I'm going to start over again, so then I'll go back and do it again, and it's almost like, okay, this time I'm going to go farther, you know, and then I, you, and then you can do it, so by the end, I always feel like the beginning of my book is way more worked
1: over than the end, <laughs> but by the end, I think you've got a momentum, I mean, don't you too? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Ellen, do, do I understand that you actually start writing it all over again over mm-hmm. and over again? Wow, So I will draft a thing rather swiftly if I can. Mm-hmm. And then um, I read that or I start going in and tweaking this and that or deleting chunks or moving mm-hmm. some things around. But I don't I don't start writing it again.
2: I'm a really fast typist. So it's not, must be. I'm very fast. I'm very, I'm very fast. I took a touch typing course a million years ago in high school when it was for the secretaries who were going to go. Type yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah. I'm not yeah. averse to moving like big chunks into the thing. Right. If I find there's something that's like, yeah, that, that works and I'll move that. But so, I don't, yeah.
0: yeah, I think you told me this technique a long time ago and I've, And, and, but I think that what, what I think is why it works for you, going to analyze you for it, (laughs) analyze you right now, but why it works for you is I think it puts you in a different frame of mind. And I've used other techniques kind of similar. Like one is if you're having really trouble with a character, to write it in first person, to try revising it in first person and see what that does. Sometimes it brings you much closer and then you can take it back to third and now you're much closer to them and you're really, their thoughts, just like, just different things you can try doing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, that give you a different perspective. I've also read it on a Kindle. Really? Or had it read to me. I have had. I often will do that. I'll have the computer voice read it to me, and you pick up all these mistakes, which I can't yeah, pick I up do you,
2: do you ever read yours out loud? Either of you?
0: I've read it out loud, but I like having something else read it to me, because then I can type. So I oh, listened to
2: it, and it, you just interesting.
0: you turn on the computer voice, and it really doesn't get you into it at all. But you hear all the mistakes. So it says, you know, with with, uh, and you go, oh, there's an extra with, you know, and I miss that. Or
2: I never thought of that because because I you know I was I worked as a radio journalist in Russia, which was not my. I mean, I'm I'm totally a print person, but I you know got this job, and, and so it made me. Um, and they kept saying to me, "We can tell you're a print person because you're trying to get too many words into it. It's not, you know." And, um, but um, uh, so I became aware of the sound of the words, and all my books are out as audiobooks. And I kind of like to think that the reason they're all out as audiobooks is because I've read them out loud and heard what isn't, what is it, what is it, Donna, say, what isn't, oh, she has this great expression, but it's what isn't um, not beautiful and flowing or whatever, but she, you know, um, felicitous or something like that, but she, you know, what doesn't, what isn't pleasing to the ear? Mm-hmm. And so you hear it's like, no, those words do not belong together. That's a mouthful. You can't get that out. And this is not clear. And oh, I use that brilliant verb up here and it's down here, it's an adverb or, you know, whatever. And so you don't want to do that. And so correcting those kind of redundancies and things like that, I think, helps. And I I, I mean sometimes I just mumble it, but I you know, but I will the last thing I do is I, I read it out loud before I come in and, and, it, and it makes, and that's where I think I, and Felicity's that was for word. Um, I correct all the infelicities or hopefully, um, yeah. before I turn it into my editor. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Those are great tips for revising. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, they're not, they're not uniquely mine. I got them from somebody. Really oh, I
0: believe in stealing anybody's good ideas. If they oh, give you yeah. one, just, just take it
2: if it works for you. And if it doesn't let it go. Right. Yeah. What is it? Great a uh, good writers borrow, great writers steal.
0: <laughs> you know, and I try not to steal anybody's
1: actual plot or characters. Right, right. But, I think it's for craft. But crafting I things... nearly sold me on Scribner. I have been so afraid of Scribner because oh, of great. the steep learning curve. I'm not It's not that steep. steep. Not that steep. It really is. <sighs> well, okay, we have okay. a we have a
0: mutual friend Janice, who um who was, I said, oh, I told her about Scrivener, and she was trying it with her big book that she was writing, and she said to me, well, I've now watched, you know, 10 hours of videos about how to do (laughs) Scrivener, and I just, my mouth opened, and I just said, Janice, I just opened it up, I started messing around, and I'm sure it does many more things that I don't ever take advantage of, but I don't need it to. Yeah, but she was like becoming an expert on Scrivener before she started using Scrivener, and then she was like, "I'm not sure if I like it." And I'm like, "Try it!" I beg of you, just try it.
2: The keywords and everything—I don't—I don't don't do half that stuff. But what I like is that every draft can, you know, every chapter can be a separate draft. So you're just every—it's focused on that chapter, and then you can you can pull things up side by side. So any of the research that you have, you know, you split your screen vertically and then, and then you've got, you know, you can pull up this particular blog that you found and you can, you know, or a photograph that you found and you can, and you can use all that. And I, I and then in the end there's compile. So I hit compile, I open it up in word, which is what my editor wants and hit compile, move it in. It takes a couple of days to clean that up. I have to say, there's some Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So you word need to allow
0: spell checking grammar is- Better yeah. than Scribblers, definitely. Yeah. Well, I use yeah. mine. I use mine to do a folder as a chapter, and then I have scenes I within it, and that's really terrific too. Because, as you said, scenes are what drive it forward, and right. so you can look right. at
2: each scene and sort of right. and sort of decide whether it's it, it's working. Plus, you have you know when you need hundred and eighty thousand word book, you've got the word count, and then you've got the little um, you push the I thing on the side, so you can have. Um, there's a box that says, like, I'll make notes, like, this needs more dialogue or be sure to ask, you know, Rick, my line ask Rick about yada, yada, whatever I need to ask. And so there's a, the, all my notes are right there in that chapter. And then you've got, a, you can do a summary of the chapter. So when you look back, you can, you know, like, what's this chapter about? And where's the chapter where I did that? You know, you just go back and look at your summary. And then there's some other things I don't really even bother with, like the keywords or whatever. But the things I use are really helpful, I think.
0: Oh, so, yeah. I use the comments all the time.
2: Yeah, I always. I go, I
0: select things and I go, this is in the wrong place. Yeah. You know, yep. and then I go back and look I at all my online. notes and I go, oh, it's in the wrong place. Okay. And I try to, remember, you know, recreate what he, where it needs to go. Yeah.
1: They should pay us for this testimonial, I think, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brought to you
0: by really Spidner. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, someone reaches out and says that we should monetize our podcast, which is completely against why Kristen and I are doing this. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: hilarious. But you yeah. all should be getting money from Scribner for that. Yes. It, 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 but we it, want all our listeners to know that there is no money exchanged
0: on go. this podcast. No. I if there was any money exchanged, it was me paying Scribner that first fee and I, I <laughs> never regretted it. Never regretted it. Oh it's how long? It. Oh. Ten years? Yeah, me too, like at least at least. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, I, once I did it, I never wanted to go back. I mean, ri- writing them. in word and trying to do a similar thing in word with yeah, chapters, yeah. Sep- it was too much of a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm.
2: I, I, we are it's it's all in now. one place. The chapters are all different, but it's all in one place. It's, it's yeah. good.
0: Well, it's just been really lovely to catch up with you. Um, Thank you. Thanks and, uh, You know, and I look forward to the festival next year when I get to see you again. Oh, Thank you,
1: Ellen. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, we'll be in person awesome. again. Hopefully Just we'll be able to
2: great. go to events again. I know, I know. Um, Maybe I know. I'll get down to Charlottesville for something
1: and yeah. see that. Yes, and I'm excited to I've dip into great. your winery um, mysteries. Thank, Thank and you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: And, and it'll be exciting. Yeah, exactly. You're going to do the book
1: club soon, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I hope so.
2: Absolutely. All right. Congratulations
1: on the forthcoming book. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Ten days. Yeah. Yeah. And coming up April yeah. 5th, mm-hmm. and that's
0: Bitter Roots. Yes, it is. It is. Awesome. Yeah. Very excited. Yeah. And um, thank you again, and we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks. Well, it was really uh, lovely to catch up with Ellen. I saw her in such such quick passing at the festival, you know, got to see her on a panel, but then she had to run. And then the next day we were on different panels and there were limited people that could be there. And so anyway, it was really fun to catch up with her.
1: Yes. Yes. And it was so much fun for me to hear more about her story and goodness, she is, she's inspiring. Her work ethic is Phenomenal, of course. Um, but her curiosity, her approach to um, the re- research side of writing, clearly, we didn't talk about this, but clearly she, well, she doesn't seem plagued by that um black hole that a lot of we writers can fall into of researching ad nauseum, but keeping a notebook, jotting down the things that might be helpful, and, um, and charging ahead with the projects that she has at hand. And Bitter Roots sounds amazing. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, yep. um, Yeah. I mean, I think that's really her journalism background
0: um, coming out. It's just you do research and you and then put together your story. Um,
1: and write to deadline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. and her um,
0: whole technique of writing again the book, yeah, retyping it is is fascinating because I think if there's anything you can do to trick your brain into seeing your writing anew in order to edit
1: it, yeah,
0: if it works, it works.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like she uses a few different tools that reading it aloud. Um, which I don't do, but I have heard a number of people do. Though I do feel very strongly about the sound of whatever it is that I've written. I I'm with you on that, but yeah, I and I really appreciated hearing both of you talk about the software of Scrivener, which is um, has been around for quite some time, and it sounds like a great, useful tool.
0: Yeah. No, I think it is. I think there's certain things that word, uh, Microsoft word does well, but having a really involved large project with multiple point of views or multiple settings or changes in time, you know, the future and the past, uh, any of that stuff. It's so much easier for me to manage with folders and looking, being able to look at it. You can see your project, sort of more of a helicopter view of your project and then you can also dig down and then you can make it work for you. I can, you can color code if a certain character is the POV character. I've done that before to sort of see, well, how many scenes do I have with this point of view character? Do I not hear from them for a while and just be able to visually see that? Yeah. Is sometimes really, really helpful.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking that it could be, although I'm still scared of the learning curve. I, uh, I think it could be really helpful with this project that I'm just embarking on now that has that future, well, the world building piece that already I have a couple of different Word documents. I always have one that I just label notes for, and then the title of whatever project I on, And then the project itself um, is a se- second file, and I usually just keep those two. Um, and then if there's really in-depth research, that's in a whole other system, but I'm thinking that in this case. I'm already writing up rules for the world, um, and I can imagine how those could go in one place. Um,
0: yeah, and the research. More yeah, more the, more. being able to keep your research with your project, I think yeah. is really really useful.
1: Um, yeah. Well, into like really,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. Well, good luck to your you and your project. I hope you can stay awake this afternoon (laughs) (laughs) and
1: the same to you reading and writing done and um... (laughs) may you sprint to the end of yours yes yes and happy
0: and happy spring um unfortunately with the with the coming back of the flowers, we also get all the weeds. <laughs> but such is life. <laughs>
1: yeah Yes, such it is. We'll take the flower. I'll take the flowers and we'll we'll
0: try to get as many of the weeds as we can. <laughs> That's right. On we go. All right, See you next time. All right, bye. bye.